The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. If you could learn to work and play and get along with each other. Welcome everybody to Wednesday Board Games episode 17. Joining me as always is Liam. Liam, hello, how are you doing? Hello and everyone, welcome to Wrestling Board Games. The show where we play a wrestling themed board game every week in podcast form. Today we'll be playing WWE Monopoly. Have you ever played any of those WWE board games? I No, I okay, there was like this one that you could buy a book and it was like a drafting game. That I played, but that's about it. I played one, and it was the most nonsensical, unplayable game in the history of games. What was it? It was just a WB board game. I think there was was there wasn't there a TNA Impact board game at one stage? Well, let's go to the Google machine and find out. Boop 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 boop. Yeah, there was a TNA DVD board game, which I think I also played. Was it like a quiz game? Uh, I think so. It's a very elaborate looking. There's a six-sided ring. That's pretty cool. They should have made the disc six sides. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how DVD players work. Listen, I've spent a lot of time around DVD players in my life, and I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Have you ever put a six-sided DVD into a DVD player? Only a six-sided DVD player. Uh, of the three ratings on this board game website, it has a 4.7 rating, so maybe people like it. Unless that's should out we, of 10, which maybe then people don't it? like it. Oh, wait, it's, that, sorry, sorry, that is out of 10, so no, Ooh. people don't like it at all. I was going to say, because isn't there like a Steam game where you can import import board games? Really? Yeah. Is, the, is that one of them? It's like a tabletop thing, and I assume you could make the TNA Impact trivia game. <laughs> I assume it's trivia. Uh, um, I, I assume you could make that in the game. When we eventually launch Patreon, uh, that will be one of our Patreon costs. Yes, for only $2,500 a month. We will invite you to play the game with us. So every week we talk about AEW and NXT, and if you didn't notice by me referring to the show as Wednesday Board Games, maybe I'm not a fan of wrestling this week. Uh, Liam, uh, AEW won last week. Please take us through AEW. Oh, I guess I'm the host of the show now. Well, once you were like, I could do all of the hosting. Yeah, well, I could do it with preparation, not when it sprung upon me. Well, we opened the show with highlights from last week. Mm-hmm. JR, Tony, and Excalibur welcome us to the show. Stop reading Larry's review. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> John Moxley arrives with the crowd. 
It was around the time he got stabbed in the eye that he realized the fun and games were over. <laughs> Alright, John Moxley opened all the wrestling dynamite, cut a promo. Um, it was a pretty good promo. I thought the promo was better than the brawl afterward. I actually, I really dug this segment. Go on, tell me why. Um, well, okay. It was very pro-wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like any any this new age type of pro wrestling where we think there has to be some sort of gigantic story behind it. It was just a, I I am the good guy of the promotion and you are the bad guy and I will fight for the people, brother. And there was uh, down to like the the like the, it was very tropey in the way that John Moxley is like I will fight you right now and Chris Jericho was like you want to fight me you want to fight me no and it's like that's like the the most one on one pro wrestling promo you can possibly get. But it's like I like it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like we don't get these kind of just basic-ass wrestling segments very often anymore. I think, is that why people love that Edge Randy Orton one? Which was very well executed in a very solid segment. There were, like, two pros doing a good angle. But, like, it was the most basic injury angle you could possibly have. He hit him with a chair, he, got a, he had a stretcher job. Like, basic, mm. simple, straightforward pro wrestling. People loved it. So, yeah, maybe there's something to that. Get back to basics wrestling. Stop being stupid. It's almost like what we've been saying this entire time of keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, wrestling is very difficult, but it is very rarely anything other than simple. The stupidness of wrestling has really daunted on me recently. Uh, you, you DM'd me that wrestling is stupid, and I tried to inquire as to why you thought wrestling was stupid, and you were very aloof about it, so please explain. Well, I've been watching just a lot of 70s and 80s wrestling lately, mm-hmm. and I guess it's just, I've started to see that wrestling through the eyes of people who aren't wrestling fans. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. And, I've start, and I'm just like, oh, it's just a dude jacked to the gills wearing, like, holding a snake and he's like oh i'm gonna fight you yeah. about this snake <laughs> it's like this makes no sense it's so stupid why do i love it and why do i treat it like high art at times it is high art that snake is a reflection of the society that bit jake roberts and now he's trying to bite back <laughs> i was gonna say you could have gone the snake is a representation of the inner demons of of jake roberts and i was like that would make sense Listen, we all have our different interpretations of these stories. That's why it's such good art. And it's stupid. I was like, I didn't lose any love for it while I was having this kind of realization. But I was just like, I got to look at it for the first time of like not being a nostalgic child and being like, wow, wrestling. I was like, this is dumb. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) It's like, just think about it. Like, even like the things that you don't think are dumb. Like, just like, take Ric Flair, for example, right? Like, you don't consider him, like, a dumb character, but if you think about it, he's a dude walking out in a robe talking about how much he likes to fuck. Yeah, and he usually falls on his own face. A lot. Yeah, and he goes, woo! It's like, <laughs> what's the... It's just such a stupid thing! That's why, it's, like, Joey Ryan makes people furious. Like, absolutely mm. furious. Maybe he just exposes, like the self-doubt that all wrestling fans have about it being what it is. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you're the same people that probably love The Undertaker being literally dead. Like, his character is that he's actually dead. <laughs> Whenever I watch this show and I watch JR, like, snidely refer to something as being, like, unreal- unrealistic, I'm like, you sold The Undertaker for 15 years, you can't pretend for three seconds that The Dark Order is real. <laughs> the Dark Order is much more realistic than The Undertaker. <laughs> But it's like, that's what annoys me about JR with his commentary. It's like, you've done so much worse, man. Yeah, he's just a grumpy old man who doesn't put up with it. Which, in in one way, you can respect. 
I mean, it's probably more endearing. Maybe he's also had the same reflection that I've had in the last couple of weeks. He's just sick of it. He's sick of all this nonsense in pro wrestling that he's had to sell. He's he's partly responsible. So it's <laughs> like the, the it's weight even of the worse guilt because he takes responsibility of it. Yeah, the, the the weight of the guilt hangs on him, so he hates it now. There you go. That's so that's so that was my John Moxley segment. Yeah. So you enjoyed this John Moxley segment. I did, and I uh, I guess it was it reminded me of that, and I was like. Uh, wrestling is dumb and that's what makes it cool yeah there was my i think favorite chris jericho line of all time in the segment which was yo ho ho and a bottle of dumb followed by a pause because you're stupid (laughs) (laughs) chris jericho is great he's just like every dickhead heel from a mid-2000s buddy like comedy movie yeah like, can you imagine, like, that chris jericho just walking up to seth rogan and being like you stupid idiot (laughs) Like the yo 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 a bottle of dumb line is is bad, but then when he explains it, it comes back around again. It's like yes, very good, very good, Chris Jericho. I like that they teased the Moxley Ortiz match by having Ortiz be the one that goes straight up to him. Yeah, LAX led their led their thugs. They brought their thugs from the street to fight. I was hoping that I was hoping that the the thugs were gonna be like random House of Glory people, and I don't know if they were, but. There weren't any that I recognized if they were. Part of me was hoping for, like, Homicide Hernandez and Kingston. Oh, that'd be sick, though. Mm. I, actually, no, even a bigger part of me is, remember Richie, the child, that was run over by a car? <laughs> but, like, he he comes back, like, in an Undertaker-style entrance. Yeah. And and JR sells it, because he, he loves the Undertaker. He's part of the He's part of the LAX backup crew. What if he is the... What are the Dark Water call their leader again? Uh, the Exalted One. The Exalted One. one. Yeah, the Exalted One is the kid. Mm-hmm. We, we also had an Inner Circle theme here, Liam. Yeah, I was like, what? I didn't get to hear it really well, though. It sounds like uh, an instrumental version of the Evolution theme music. It is a mystery. Oh, can I read the Triple H quote that I found? Uh, sure, while I talk about how they should just use Judas. For the love of God, you don't need an Inner Circle theme. You have Judas. I found it. Go on. This is a quote that I, I listened to a making of the evolution theme okay. video, and Triple H was on it, and he had this quote about Motorhead, which made me really laugh. <laughs> They're the band that's never changed. They've been around since the 70s, and they've never compromised their style, and they've never gone with trends, and I think that's kind of what evolution is to me. Being stagnant and never changing <laughs> is evolution. Don't you love Triple H? But it's like, I just remember, like, I was aghast when I read that. I mean, when I when I watched that, I was like, what are you talking about? These things do not correlate. Though it does reflect his career pretty well. Mm. And that video was also great, and you should seek it out, because Randy Orton looks dead in the camera and throws up the devil horns and goes, Bleh! Randy Orton has a treasure. At least young Randy Orton was. Hey, if you watch the Royal Rumble when Randy's thrown out and he's, like, mad for half a second, and he's like, ah, fuck it. And ah! Away. It's great. <laughs> Old Randy's also great. It, that old Randy is great, and like young Randy is great. It was just the in between bits. Yeah, that was unbearable and boring. And he's still a terrible wrestler these days. The, the, he also doesn't have that going for him. We got a video from MJF. Uh, yeah, so we, uh, there, there's deep lore in this video, Liam. Not just 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 a plot. We we have learned that the butcher is in fact an actual butcher. I like it. He has his own butcher kitchen butchery. I like butcher house. I like this because. Yes, you will get it one day. <laughs> I like this because it suits them. Like it, it gives me the idea that they're not really 
creepy pervert cult member guys. They're just hitmen that like knives. They're like they're like they're Batman villains. Mm. MJF hired the Batman villains. They sure to did to kill the Bucks. As one does. And uh, we also now, uh, I think everybody on this show should eventually have a second profession. You know, Burt Baker's a dentist. The butcher is a butcher. And uh, everyone else should get a second career. It's just good, you know, if your wrestling career doesn't pan out, they have butchery and dentistry to fall back on. Some real um, new generation style shit. Yeah, good career planning from the butcher and Burt Baker, you gotta say. The butcher and the baker. (laughs) Butcher, the baker and the bunny. (laughs) The butcher, the baker and the bunny. I will never be tired of seeing it like that. Every time someone says the butcher, the blade, and the bunny, it it pops your voice singing it like that <laughs> just pops into my head. I'm not sure. That, that should be the intro to their song. Just a creepy kid singing it as if it was a lullaby. I do like that you just suggested you're a creepy kid. I uh, no, I was. It wasn't me in the. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> got him. <laughs> I have been got. Uh, that takes us to this wrestling match, which was, I think, a perfectly decent but entirely forgettable tag team match. Wait, just give me one second to look at the card. Um, yep, this was my favourite match of the night. Is that a reflection of every other match? or uh, Yep! I, okay, <laughs> rather than a distinct enjoyment of this match. <laughs> I just thought all the wrestling was kind of blech. I think on the whole I would have probably preferred the main event, but not by a considerable margin. Yeah, but I think maybe perhaps this is to do with the fact that I like the butcher a lot. Why did you say it like that? Because I had to remember which one was which. Alright, I think the best thing about this match was the transition into the Melter's Driver at the end. That was cool. I like all their Melter Driver-based shenanigans. Mm. It was a good Young Bucks TV match. What do you want from me? A better Young Bucks, a great Young Bucks TV match. That's what I want from you, Liam. From me, do you want me to wrestle the Young Bucks and put on a better match? Yes, please. Speaking of better than the match that came before, the post match was amazing. Yeah, this is when like I started to realize that oh, on this show, I'm gonna like prefer all the angles to the wrestling. Because the Butcher and the Blade attacked the Young Bucks afterwards until Kenny Omega sprinted down to make the save, hit some V triggers, then Hangman Page languidly wandered down the ramp drinking a beer, handed the beer to Matt Jackson, hit the buckshot lariat over the ropes, grabbed his beer, drank his beer, and walked away, and it was as perfect as it could humanly possibly have been. It's truly astonishing how perfectly this, and I do mean it as a pun, rehab of Hangman Page has worked. Well, all in on Hangman Page. He should be. Uh, there was a period like last year after he lost to Jericho, where it's like he will never be AEW champion, and now I'm back on Team Hangman Page should be AEW champion someday. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think we all thought that eventually he should win the title, just not now. <laughs> he just had to become a drunk who hands his beer to people, he knocks their head off, and then walks away and drinks it. It works for Steve Austin. It did work for Steve Austin. And Steve Austin would probably approve of cowboy shit. Oh, one day we need to get Austin to just appear on AEW and have a segment with Hangman. Where they have a beer for the working man. Yeah, that would rule. Mm. What would the AEW knockoff Austin theme be? <laughs> Uh, they should just pay for the disturbed one. Could they technically do that? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Uh, Nyla Rose defeated Big Swole in a criminally boring match. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Larry here on his review at 411 Mania says that this match went 8 minutes 35. I don't believe it. Which must be incorrect because I believe the match is still going. <laughs> it was a very, very long match that the only good thing... In this match, was like two minutes before the end, Swole hit a real cool kick, and everyone was like, woo! 
So also like hit at the start a really like, cool um, flatliner, like drag down flatliner. Yeah. I thought that was pretty sweet. Other than that, this match was very boring, and Nyla Rose hit a very mediocre-looking spear before hitting the Beast Bomb for the finish. And we are getting the, the beginnings of the Nyla Riho teasing. Yeah, which they technically set up back when Riho won the belt, and Nyla attacked her after the match, and then that never went anywhere. It's going to revolution, apparently. Well, like, because... Well, is it, though? Because, as we've, I've talked about recently in the last few weeks, that, like, in AEW, everyone kind of has two feuds going on at once. Yeah. And it annoys me. And now they're doing it with Riho, where she kind of has a feud with Nyla, but she also kind of has a feud with Britt. Does she have a feud with Britt, though? She just beat Britt. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Britt has been still talking shit about her the entire time. I think that's more just to set up Britt's heel turn, but this would come to this company, you never know. Mm. Uh, in the worst Cody Rhodes match in the history of all elite wrestling, Cody Rhodes defeated Kip Sabian. Mm. I did not like this match at all. Because one, it was tremendously overbooked. Far too much manager nonsense. Far too much nonsense on the outside. And then, like, they just had... And Joey Janela showed up as well. I forgot about that. Uh, though that spot was actually pretty good. I'll give them credit for that one. Um, and then just the action of the match wasn't good. Because Kip Sabian ain't it. And he should never be on television because he's not ready. Keep him on um, dark. He, don't even put him on dark. Send him on excursion somewhere. He was having cool, like, four-way matches on Dark at the start. Sure, when he's... The, the, the less focus is on him, I suppose, the better, yeah. more tolerable he is. I was gonna say, because I, I do also enjoy his, like, weird team with the Hybrid 2. Mm. And they were just working, like, cool six-mans. So the more anonymous Kip Sabian becomes, the more tolerable he becomes. I, that seems to be it. Uh, yeah, Cody beat him. The last minute was good because Cody just... Yeah, I was going to say, the last minute was sick how he just kept hitting the crossroads one after another. Because Cody is good. Very little of this match not being particularly great had to do with Cody. The Aaron Anderson stuff in particular was just nonsensical. Yeah, as soon... I didn't mention at the time, but when I saw Arn's involvement in the derby match where he got up on the thing and he tapped his knee, even then I was kind of like, oh, here we go. And yeah, now he's just like, he's getting into fights with the referee for apparently no reason whatsoever and and the, the idea is supposed and actually what really annoyed me is they did the spot where Kip Sabian faked a knee injury like moments after Penelope Ford faked an, in, faked an injury on the floor and, and like I, I, it would have been a really good spot if Cody showed concern and Aaron was like nah they're faking it get on him you know that would have been a good mm. use of the manager role, but Cody fell for like more subtlety is what you're calling for. Yeah, then Aaron has an actual functional role there where he calls their bullshit and he's helpful to Cody. Instead, Cody falls for the bullshit, and Aaron just gets banned from ringside for being stupid. And then Cody just goes on to win the match anyway. And I'm like, what's the point of any of this? True. Uh, Cody won with three straight crossroads. Cody, Cody's good at least. Hell yeah. Oh, actually, don't. No, I have a problem with Cody's entrance. Oh, how was it because he was longingly staring into Arn Anderson's eyes as he rose up? No, I want more horniness between Aaron and Cody. I'm fine with that. Um, Poor Tony. <laughs> he's cheating on it. Yeah, he's been cast aside. Um, you know the way Cody has the intro theme and then his main theme? Yeah, and it cuts really abruptly. It cuts really abruptly. That's my problem. The intro theme should it, be adjusted so that it leads into the main theme organically yeah. instead of just cutting it halfway through. I've hated this the whole time, but no one's ever brought it up, so I'm just like, is this just a me thing? No, it's because it's like, oh, wrestling. It's, it's just like straight no, cut. It's not even that. It's like, oh, uh, wrestling is with the Royal Family. It's like, whoa, calm it down. Yeah, 
So yeah, either have that run longer or re-edit that piece of music so that it leads into a crescendo that the the crashes have it, like, into. Dip in like turn it down. <laughs> Just turn it down and then turn the other one up. Rather than just cutting from one to the other. Yeah. Also, after the match, on Fight TV, Cody was celebrating at ringside. And I think that's the furthest into that theme song I've ever heard. Uh, I can tell you it's not the furthest I've ever heard because I've listened to the full song multiple times. Listen, I save it for his entrances, so I appreciate it more. Do you save Judas? Actually, I do. I never actually. I don't think I've ever actually listened to Judas outside the context of a wrestling entrance. I've listened to Judas a lot. It is the Judas in your mind. Literally. Uh, speaking of Tony, Tony interviewed Britt Baker. Britt Baker uh, turned babyface, I think, after her her heel turn was only for two weeks. Uh, she turned babyface after burying JR relentlessly. <laughs> mm. It's a good babyface. She, re- she had a bad promo last week mm-hmm. and a very, very, very good one this week. Yeah, she found her delivery. Like uh, She has to be like disingenuous and then mean. It's like, oh, JR, yeah. you're good. And then she pivots in and that works. Whereas last week she was just kind of weirdly rambled a bit yeah she just kind of rambled and went all over the place like her delivery here was really really good i do want to put that over and she got a lot of heat mm. like this say like, oh the, the crowd was hot for this for, for a relatively tepid crowd as well for the rest of the night mm. good shit this is like this might be my favorite segment on the show yeah but of course it's it's not a she turned face again so i don't understand it um mm. i have another serious problem with this Mm. There is a thing that always used to happen in TNA, and it happened in WWE recently, where Dixie Carter would come to the ring, and then you'd have Tommy Dreamer or some other babyface come to the ring and tell you everything that's actually wrong with the company. It's like, you shouldn't be on television. You should be giving these young people a chance. This shouldn't ah. be the company about you. And that, then you're like, you recognize what's the problem. Enough that you put this on a promo on your television show, and then you mm. never go about fixing the problem. And the, the, WWE did the same thing with Kevin Owens last year with Shane McMahon, where he's like, you, Shane McMahon, is the problem. You should be pushing Ali, you should be pushing Buddy Murphy. And then it's like, they never did. SmackDown is still one of the worst television shows in the history of television. And this annoyed me here, because they have Britt Baker go out there and say, J.R., you're only cashing a check. You don't even know anybody's names. You're terrible. And then I'm like... And you still have him on commentary. Mm, you should have got up to Jexit and left. <laughs> <laughs> I just had Tony and Excalibur call the rest of the show. Yeah, Jerry should have been furious. But yeah, like that annoys me because that makes that, that makes me think you're aware that there's a problem here and you're not doing anything about it. Mm, old Michael Jacob Friedman. Yes, good old Michael. Do you think that was this? I assume he that was a payoff this time. I assume he got the name wrong the first time, and they were like, "Get it wrong, I'll correct you here," and they turned it into a thing. Yeah, because he did it. He got it wrong like twice last time, and they were different M names each time. Yeah, <laughs> but he also said Maxwell, so it's not like he was just fucking it up to fuck it up. Maybe we're we're not giving the the deep announcer storytelling enough credit, Liam. Old Michael. Uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are interviewed backstage. Hangman Page comes along and hands them nameplates. <laughs> I also like that he he walked in front of Kenny completely, and Kenny had to move out like <laughs> to get back on camera. And I like what he handed the Kenny's like, oh yeah, that's nice of you. <laughs> See, like Kenny's oblivious to like every like everything that the Bucks and Hangman being like super passive aggressive. This is this is easily the best thing on the show. Mm. Oh yeah, obviously. Thank you, Big TK. Yeah, next week the Bucks, Page and Omega will face the Butcher, the Blade, and the Lucha Bros, as it turns out. The Butcher, the Blade, and the Bros. And the Bunny. And the Bunny. I see the well, bunny she's not in the match. Too. She should be in the matches. It should be handicap matches. I was going to say, like, who would you add to the Elite side? 
Brandy. Mel! Okay, we won't talk about, talk about Dark, or maybe we'll talk about it next week, but apparently they're breaking up the Nightmare Collective, so woo! I haven't read the Dark results. No. Do you want to tell them to me right now so I can react to them? I didn't read the results, but apparently they had Mel and um, uh, who's the other person in that group? Awesome Kong? No, they beat up Awesome Kong anyway, apparently. Oh! So perhaps they're done. I Kong. guess Kong is just like, can't work. Well, yeah, she might be injured, so they're writing her off. A fitting end to the group, to be honest. <laughs> yes, in the darkness of the the world, that's where you just get rid of Mel. <laughs> Poor Mel. Well, let's, well, maybe this is the big singles push for Mel. Where she'll be the... the should there be a singles push for Mel? Whoa! It was Luther and Mel that beat Kong down, not uh, Brandy. So maybe they're splitting from Brandy. Maybe they'll be Team Mel, yeah. <laughs> Like that? Uh, that's not bad. That was off the dome too. <sighs> SCU defeated Angelico and Jack Evans in a kind of boring match, but they paid tribute to Kobe Bryant, so they had that going for them. Because mm. they, because they are SCU, you see. They are all from California. I just said SCU, you see. Yes. <laughs> Which made me laugh. My brain had the process. But apparently, it was not a big enough deal for you. My brain is working too slowly. It's fine. Mel, yeah. Do you have any thoughts about this big? Hyper 2 against SCU match? No. Nah. No, neither do I. I don't remember anything about it, to be honest. I remember it being um, quite dull. And and Helico and Evans had cool, like, spooky gear. Oh, and tribute to La Parca. Yeah. And um, I assumed that was it, but I didn't know. Um, I think they also did his dance. Oh, well, there you go. And um, I remember that on commentary, I think Tony was the one who said that TH2 are the most underrated team in the company. And I'm like, well, the record doesn't represent that. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that annoys me. Though, in fairness, Tony covered it at the end when he was like, you know, tweak some things and maybe they will be. You know, so at least he was like, there's something wrong, but they could get there. Mm. Maybe they... the, the tweaking is that they should go full skeleton. That's true. They should just add masks. Then they're just a part of the Dark Order. Speaking of, the Dark Order came out, they're mad at Daniels, and uh, they're coming for his family. That's what they said. Cool. Then we got a, the best... I take back what I just said. This is the best part of the show. Pac was standing on some steps, and he was like, I was beaten on a boat by John Moxley. No, I'll, I'll find the exact quote, because it's worth saying. <laughs> it's like, out at sea? That doesn't count. She should have been, didn't you say something about it? He should complain about it being international waters. I said that on Twitter about um, SCU. They should complain that the, t- the title match should not have been sanctioned because it was international waters. So Pac was standing out there in the freezing cold in his underwear. You could see the breath coming out of his mouth. The poor guy had to stand on those steps. But yeah, he's cutting this awesome promo about how Mox defeated him on the boat and it shouldn't count. And he's still coming for Kenny Omega, but he'll do it on his time. And next week he's coming for blood and he's furious and he's mad. And he's like the most convincing person on the show. Because you look in his eyes and you can see this is a psychopath who just wants to hurt people. And Pac rules. Pac's the best person on this show. Never mind the Bucks and freaking Pangman page. Pac. Push Pac. Like, the AW a very weird thing where there's like... There's a very distinct split between the top of the card and the bottom of the card. Because you go from like yeah. Pac to Kip Sabian, and you're like, ooh, the gulf there is just ginormous. Pac needs to like come out and get Nakazawa and just like tear the dude's shoulder out of his socket with the brutalizer. Actually rip his like, arm off and then hit him with his own like, arm. For real. Um the quote was a moving vessel is no place for competition. That's 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 a perfectly valid point. You know what? Especially being a man who does a move off of the top rope, he has a legitimate complaint. Yeah. 
He's, he's being robbed. Yeah, he was literally standing on the top rope, being blown by the wind. He couldn't. Mm. He couldn't hit his moves. It's this. This is an unsafe work environment, Dolly Wrestling. What are you doing? Speaking of an unsafe work environment, next week Cody takes ten lashes from MJF. Yes, we also have Ortiz's first singles match in four years against John Moxley. He worked no singles matches in Impact, not one. Mm. Santana only worked, well, actually, yeah, between the two of them, they worked one single singles match over their two and a half years in Impact. What a tag team. Commitment to the bit. Brick Breaker faces Yuka Sakurai. Yeah, 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 Yes, and the Bucks Page Omega versus Butcher Blade and Lucha Bros. That one got you, didn't it? Very upsetting. You actually threw me off because I thought you were going to go straight from the Ortiz Mox bit into it, and I was like about to go, and you're like, oh yeah, it's been four years. I was like, no. Wasn't ready for that. I had to. I had to. I had to inform, add value to our audience before you attack them. Mm. Uh, Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz defeated Private Party and Darby Allen in a good but not great main event. A fun little match, but nothing special. I don't think I remember anything from this. I remember. I think Darby was far and away the best person in the match, and other than that, nothing else was particularly remarkable. Actually, I did have one note from this match. Go on. Chris Jericho is really good at being the last person in a six-man with a, like a young kid who is like getting like close falls on him. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah, like he did it with Jungle Boy, he did it with Darby, and now in this match. He did it with private party. When they get that like last near fall before Judas effect, the crowd buys mm. it every single time. Yeah. It helps. That it's real good shit. Well, even Scorpio Sky had it as well. Indeed. And like everyone he's wrestled has had it, yeah. Maybe it's just like Chris Jericho's real good at wrestling. He is. And it helps that he's very over and people think beating him means something. So when they actually beat him, or well, they don't actually beat him, when they tease actually beating him, it means something. Well, also, it's like, if someone beats him, they get a title shot. Like, that's how it works. That's, yeah, precedent. We saw that with Scorpio Sky. Actually, speaking of Scorpio Sky, we also saw precedent that All Elite Wrestling has uh, championship rematches. So, there you go. Hmm. It was mentioned on commentary that, that match S- SCU are, 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 are due a rematch. Where do you think that happens? Um, next week? The week after? Well, not next week. That'd be weird. The week after? Probably the week after. Hell yeah. In... Come on, you know where they're definitely holding that show. Uh, I don't. I know they're in Huntsville next week, which is uh, Huntsville, the Von Braun Civic Center in Huntsville, Alabama, which is the home of TNA, the birthplace of TNA Wrestling, Liam. Wow. There you go. I wonder if some TNA legends will show up. They're doing Alabama legends, apparently. Uh, I was going to say those exist. <laughs> sure. I don't know where Alabama I wrestling. I know nothing about, but like, what's wrestling, bro? Somebody's going to be really mad at you for disparaging Alabama wrestling, but it's fine. I don't think some, anyone will be mad at me. Uh, the inner circle beat down everybody, and Sammy drove Darby Allen's neck into a skateboard. Probably, I assume, setting up a match between them at Revolution, which I think that's a real fun undercard match, Sammy against Darby Allen. This was the second act of throat violence on the night. What was the other one? Well, we saw some more on NXT. Oh, yes. That was me, like, giving you a transition to NXT. You really did it well. WWE NXT opened with... Finn Balor defeating Trent Seven in what was, I think, remarkably a squash match. <laughs> it was like, it was a, it was a ten minute squash match, but also I liked it because yeah, Finn jumped him before the bell, which I loved because that drop kick off the apron ruled. <laughs> and I knew it was gonna happen too as soon as I saw him like delay even more so than normal. I was like, he's getting drop kicked off this shit. Yeah, then Finn beat him down, beat him down, beat him down. Went to a break, came back from break. Trent uh, got a little hope spot, got a little near fall, and then Finn just beat him. Mm, good stuff. I didn't think they'd do... It's Gargano. I assume Gargano was the uh, TakeOver Portland match, but they haven't really they, done they much They announced that. Did they? 
Yeah, they announced that on this show. Well, I was clearly paying a ton of attention, but they didn't really build much of that. Like, uh, he was Gargano cost them the title match all the way back in that was the last show before Christmas, wasn't it? Yes. And I don't think they've really interacted much in a meaningful way in the month since. I think he attacked Gargano at Worlds Collide. I thought I thought he attacked um one of the th- Mustache Mountain and then Gargano with no, the save. No, I think Tyler and Seven saved. Uh, Gargano. This is what they get for putting these segments on the internet instead of putting them on the television shows. <laughs> mm. um, th- it's like these matches here remind me of like how cool NXT TV could be. Mm. Like just take a random person that you never use, put them against the star, and have a real cool match. Where uh, poor Trent Seven mostly gets squashed. Yeah, but it's Trent Seven. That's true. That's very very true. I would really like some more Mustache Mountain just on NXT. And ideally more Tyler Bate. I hope we get a Bella-Tyler Bate match out of this. Uh, Shortly next week, right? Hopefully. Which is the natural build to Finn Balor against Johnny Gargano. (laughs) Hmm. Kathy Kelly interviewed the Broserweights. They're ready for their match tonight. Two flags! Explain the flags, Liam. Uh, On this uh, segment, there were two flags. There was a Pete Dunne Broserweight flag, which we have seen before. And I think maybe a new Matt Riddle flag? Hmm. With his stallion logo on it. And also, there was a shirt in between the two. You're supposed to be tweeting these flags so that you can tell whether or not they're new. Eh, I like to keep it in the old memory bank. Alright. But they're doing the, like, the straight man, funny man kind of thing. Where Riddle's making jokes and then they cut to Pete Dunne who's like, I will fight you. Yeah, it's like, Riddle's like, haha, I smoke weed. And then Pete's like, haha, he smokes weed. We have a tease for next week. Uh, which everyone assumes is Velveteen Dream. Yeah, I didn't even see this. There was two of them, where they were like 522, and then the numbers formed the date properly. Well, not properly, in American dates, which is wrong. But I didn't see this. <laughs> how did you miss both of them? I, I missed both of them. Shotzi Blackheart rode to the ring in what I can only assume is the tank that uh, Sammy Guevara invaded the Royal Rumble with. I'm really mad that you took my bit. <laughs> yeah, well... Apparently she used the tank on the indies, but who who could possibly know? Oh, indies don't exist anymore. When she came out, I legitimately thought, is this a shot at the Sammy thing? <laughs> but apparently not. Tonight, Shotty Blackbird is tanking care Excuse of business. Me? Who? I said Shotty Blackheart. I mostly got there. You said, you said Shotty Blackbart. Did I? Well. Yeah. There's surely no way of knowing. Uh, she beat Diona Perazzo in a... a squash, basically. <laughs> yeah. I liked it, though. They really like Shotzi Blackheart, huh? They, they gave do. her the Rumble. They gave her the el- elimination of Shayna. I did like in the Rumble that they called back to the elimination of Shayna, where she threatened to throw Shayna out, and Shayna's like, not this time, and then threw her out instead. Hmm. Synergy. Story. Brand synergy. Uh, yeah, Beth opened the show crying over the death of Edge, so there's a lot of brand synergy going on. They could learn from this AEW. Uh, Keith Lee came out, cut a meaningless, pointless promo full of dopey brand moments. Okay. And- yeah, that was stupid, right? Okay. But when Priest came out, and then when <laughs> Dijakovic came out, I was like, I'm kind of into this. You really do love that, like, parade of challenges, yeah, music hitting. <laughs> and especially when they add some good old WWE comedy. That's what gets me. Uh, and then that led us into a wrestling match between Dominic Dijakovic and Damon Priest, which was a good match where they did big things and flips and stuff. This was my favorite match up until another match of the night. Like, it, this match was better than anything on Dynamite. Yeah, probably was. Yeah. They did a cool, like, double spinny kick move. Dajakovic did a springboard moonsault. And we're probably going to get Dajakovic Lee 15. Um, yeah, Damon Priest did a top rope 
Poison Rana. We're going to get a Lee Dijak match at TakeOver. <laughs> uh, what if we get a Lee Dijak Priest triple threat match at TakeOver? That would make very little sense. Well, they could have Priest beat Lee next week, and that sets up the triple threat, because Dijakovic beat Priest and Priest beat Lee. That's stupid. Do you think it's something they wouldn't do? I'm hoping they wouldn't do it, because I'd rather just see Dijakovic versus Lee have a really either really good or really bad match. Yeah, well, the, the, give them a takeover. I really like. I don't want to see them do their same match again. I'll be so mad if they just do their same match again. I want them to just like let's do something different and just have them be big guys who beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, be mad. Show show something different this time, you two. Don't just go in and do your moves. The problem is they're too like buddy buddy now. Hmm. Tomasa Champa beat the hell out of all of the undisputed era with a pipe. And it was so dumb looking. They were just lying there unconscious. I hate this still sell stuff they do for backstage attacks in NXT specifically. Like, why can't they be like groaning on the ground? That's like, he's, there's no blood. He didn't bludgeon them to death. Maybe he did. How, how do you know? Maybe, well, maybe he just got one. Actually, how does he knock out three people at once? Were they like standing in a line so that he could like swing it to the back of all well, of their head at once? You may have not noticed this guy, but his shirt was ripped, so they did fight back. Well, sure. So how did he knock them all out then? (laughs) I assume he got Bobby first. Mm -hmm. And then Roderick, then Kings of Strong Kyle um, started to gang up on him. They ripped his shirt. He got away and he went boom, boom and hit them both and they died. As one does. Mm -hmm. And then we got a... I mean, I liked the segment. I thought the segment was fine. I don't like Champa's words. Yeah, I'm so... I I was like, I've come to the realisation. I don't particularly like Tommaso Champa. (laughs) He's just cringy, man. I want my Goldie back. I want to fight for my Goldie. I'm like, all oh, right. Johnny Gargano made us forget that Tommaso Ciampa is just Tommaso Ciampa at the end of the day. Yeah, he's very lame. Like, whether that be, like, being in a tag team with Gargano, like, being a super worker, or having, like, either vastly overrated or just bad matches <laughs> in singles with him, but, like, they were disguising his blandness. Mm. I don't know. I just... I guess there was a, there was the reason he he never like topped anywhere else. Yeah. Before, I think we're starting to see that a little bit. But when he was hit with the microphone, see, he got he got away with this one because he bled. <laughs> yeah, the blood was so sick though. I take it all back. The blood was so sick, and then he did it on the contract, and then it bled all over the belt, and he was holding it, and it was actually sick. I take it all back. Yeah, pretty much. Garrett, are you excited? Next week, your champion will be on the show. Oh, yay. Jordan Devlin. of the. Uh, it was a very good weekend for the Irish. Clean sweep with Becky, Seamus, Finn, and Devlin all winning. I definitely knew about the rest of those. Because uh, you watched the Royal Rumble, didn't you? I watched the Rumble matches. Did you enjoy the Rumbles? Um, I liked the men's one because it was different. Sexist as usual. But you know what I mean, right? Like, it was a completely different kind of rumble that we haven't seen before. I thought it was really good. Except the back half of it, which was very conventional. Yeah, but, like, we had already escaped 30 minutes of it at that point, so why does it matter? That's true. So you didn't like the women's rumble? I thought the women's rumble was really good. I thought it was alright. I just didn't, like... I thought the men's one was an all-time great rumble, so... I didn't think either was all-time great, but I enjoyed both a lot. I guess I just really liked the Brock segment. But he did, and he did make a lot of faces. Even though I never got Riddle. Well, <laughs> the world got it backstage. <laughs> Broke Lesnar got him. You, you got the confrontation you wanted, just not in public. Do you think that match is never going to happen? Nah. Part of me thinks it will still. I don't, I don't think 
riddle will ever get high enough up for it to happen. It's all a long-term work. Just like um, Chris Brooks and and Karen Noir in progress. Don't even talk to me about that. The worst part of that was the Twitter victory. I was like, it, you completely undermine the idea of doing the work if you take a victory lap about it being a work. Just two mates. Tegan Ox defeated Dakota Kai in a match that had shockingly little heat. The crowd did not care in the slightest about this very heated, very bitter, very personal grudge match. Well, the crowd may not have cared, but I cared. Well, th- th- did you? They had a pretty meaningless three-minute match. The best part was uh, uh, Tegan Ox just standing there watching her knee being destroyed yeah, as Dakota Kai made her entrance. That ruled! And then it was a three-minute match before an angle. Like, I don't care. That was This was a good segment. Nah. I think this was a mediocre match that the crowd didn't care about. I, like, if, if this if this was... This was their first match since Survivor Series. And this was it? And care. also, was... Nox won? Yeah, I, that was my one problem with it. I thought it was weird that Nox won. She Like, they did the blow-off spot. She hit her with the knee brace and pinned her clean. Like, that just, what, you know what that means? What that just, like, Kai's gonna be the one to get the big win. A takeover. But, like, that's not that's not how story structure works. I know it's backwards booking. But, like, I... What can I say? I liked the segment, man. <sighs> Speaking of segments I liked... Caden uh, Carter defeated Chelsea Green. Poor Chelsea... The burial of TNA wrestling, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I like this too. I, I do like the idea of hyping somebody up as this big, like, uh, very notable, uh, debuting, hyper, brilliant woman in the division, and then she gets thrown out of the Rumble non nonchalantly, and then beaten in her supposed squash match against Caden Carter. There's a lot of good continuity in this, like, mini Chelsea Green story. Hmm. Like she starts, Robert Stone's like, oh, no, no, you're the best. Um, takes her out of the Battle Royal for the NXT title, but puts her in the Royal Rumble for the main event of the like for the big women's titles. I thought that was cool. Yeah, she didn't last very long, but cool. <laughs> I mean, that's not a reflection of Robert Stone's mag- managerial skills by any means. Just his choice of client. Mm, he should have gone with Diana. That's what we learned. Well, she also got squashed in the show, but so maybe she, not. Did she take did it take her more than three minutes. He should have gone with uh, Caden Carter or Shotzi Blackheart. It was 15 seconds longer, therefore still a better choice. Fair enough. Speaking uh, of a better choice... Our main event, as uh, the Broserweights defeated the Grizzlies Young Veterans to win the Dusty Cup and they will go on to face Undisputed Era at NXT TakeOver Portland in a match that was very long. Mm, I did like it though. I don't know. I thought the last. I thought the last segment of it was really good. And I just thought the first half was just there. It just went on. <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of into it the whole time, I think. I like. I really like Riddle and um, uh, R- Riddle and Dunn as a team. I think that really helps it. Yeah. I like. I like. Yeah, I like this match a lot, actually. I thought the closing segment was good and the rest was boring. <laughs> you know what I don't like about the Dusty Classic? What? Like, over 50% of the time, they've put a non-tag team over a bunch of tag teams, therefore, like, diminishing the tag division completely. Yes, yeah, just like the AEW tag team division. <laughs> uh, they had... That was fine, because uh, that... Mm, uh. do, you want, do you actually want a stat that does justify it? Yes. 
Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are the most prolific team in AEW history. No team has really? had more tag team matches than Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. So there you go. Shut up, other Liam. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I liked it. I didn't like... I didn't like the two singles guys beating all the tag teams again because they've done it like three times, four times if you include Cole and O'Reilly winning it instead of Red Dragon. Mm. Like, the only tag teams that have actually won are like Authors of Pain. That went well. Yeah, they're in the Messiah group. Really? I suppose, yeah. They're, they're doing okay for themselves these days, for now. Thanks, Heyman. <laughs> sure. And that's NXT! Mel yeah, Mel yeah, indeed. That's where if we ever have our teacher a T-shirt for the podcast, our first yeah. T-shirt is going to be Mel yeah. Mel yeah, on the back is just going to be riding the ship, baby. Awesome, three sixteen. This is the gonna, only. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be. Don't trust some people, Mel yeah. <laughs> it's going to be muck mules. That's obscene shit. What was, what was your match of the week? I liked the NXT main event. I gave it four stars. That's far too high. I think I'd probably go with Dijakovic and Priest. Well, you're wrong, so... Yeah. I didn't particularly like any match this week, though. <laughs> oh, here we go. Classic dismissive Garrett. Doesn't care about the shows. No, I don't. Not when they're boring. These were two very sleepy shows. They were just kind of there, coasting along, neither really particularly good or really, like, with a sense of urgency. They were just kind of motoring along. I liked one show, and I thought one show was boring. Alright, so, show of the week. Which did you like and which did you think was boring? I'm gonna vote for NXT. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I just think, if you look at the card... There was more interesting stuff on NXT this week. Like, there was two really good segments on AEW, but that wasn't enough to bring it over NXT for me. There was, like, four squash matches on NXT this week. But they were stories! Were they? What's the story of Shotzi Blackheart beating Diona Perazzo? Shotzi's Shotzi coming up? That was... You named the one. The other ones all had stories. Really? Chelsea losing the debut. What was the story of Finn Balor against Trent Seven? Trent Seven was trying to avenge being choked out in the parking lot. Alright. But then he got his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, because he sucks. That's his fault. I don't like either of these cool. shows. Could I just have stayed? <laughs> no, you got to vote for NXT. That's how it works. Um, well, the the poll is says AEW, 72-28. That's why so. I want you to vote for NXT, because I'm right. I don't like either of them, though. <laughs> Which one had you your match of the week? By, like, the slimmest of margins. Well, it, you're it was... looking for a reason, aren't you? Default. Uh, Give him the default win. You know you have to. Fine, NXT. Whoa, clap, 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 clap. I have been adequately bullied. I just want you to have an answer. I think this is the last time you gave NXT the win, too. It was like... You didn't like either shows particularly, but I was like, you gave one show the match of the week. Come on. Oh, the, yeah, the, but like... it is the week, technically. It was the best three and a quarter star match of the, like, bunch of three and a quarter star matches. That means something. <laughs> sure. You know, that means that one show was a five and one show was a 5.1. Sure. NXT. NXT. Default. 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 Oh, I thought we got to keep going with it. 
you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Wednesday War Games, where you can vote in the poll. You can follow Liam on Twitter on Twitter at Larrikin or me on Twitter at Gary Kidney. If you'd like more AEW coverage in your podcast feed, you can listen to Everything Elite, uh, Shake Them Ropes, which I think is still going because Chris quit the show because WWE is unbearable and terrible. I did. He he quit the show months after I appeared on the show, so a a good sign that I am toxic. <laughs> I also want to throw a quick thank you to the Wednesday War Games Discord mm-hmm. because they did the linear ace. Oh yeah, you meant to thank them last week, but you yeah, forgot. I forgot because we had such a great show. But yeah, I wanted to thank them all because um, they took our dumb podcast bit and they actually spent time and they worked <laughs> it out that Bad Luck Farley is the linear ace of New Japan. Everything has gone badly in New Japan history is what we're saying. Yes, it's gone completely downhill. Also, I'm going to give a shout out to Benjamin Paul on Twitter, who coined the term boat lag, which is what I'm going to use as the title for this podcast for the AW bit. Oof. It's like jet lag, but with boats, because the show was pretty sleepy and boring when they were on a boat. It's What's the boat NXT lag. name going to be? Uh, probably just uh, Dusty Classic Finals. Wait, uh, no, 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 we can think of something. Let's, let's brainstorm it. We have Worlds Collide to work with. The, which, speaking of, actually, they pretty much totally ignored Worlds Collide on this show. <laughs> Do you, okay, we can go with Royal Rumble, Royal Fumble. No, because the show you liked the show. Shit. Well, uh... <laughs> which, actually, speaking of, I used All at Sea last week for AW, even though I thought Dynamite was actually pretty good, but I thought the pun was good enough that I wanted to use it. You can use Royal Fumble. I'll probably just use Dusty Classic Finals. Wow. They don't always have to be jokey. Sometimes you just go for the better SEO. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.